in 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm a leader, wait, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it. I probably already did it. Consider it done. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this championship leadership podcast. Hey, Bailey. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. And we got Jeff Black here. I don't know if he's any relation to Jack Black, but uh, we got Jeff Black in the house. Uh, I just thought of that. I hadn't thought of that before. But uh, we got, uh, I met Jeff on the set of a TV show that we're both a part of called Boom America with one of the original Shark Tank members, Kevin Harrington. And um He's got a gym, Iron House gym. He's got a coaching program, which is uh, what is it? A relentless, a relentless forever, Re- relentless forever, which is a phenomenal kick-ass name for sure. And then you got a book coming out. What's the name of the book coming? Uh, hopefully this fall. Uh, it's brittle to unbreakable. And it's my story with my brittle bone disease known as osteogenesis imperfecta uh, to becoming a bodybuilder and doing the first I've ever doing what I've done with my bone disease to the highest level possible. But I talk openly about my struggles as a man in there. I talk about my struggles with depression. I talk about using psychedelics to heal that when therapy, counseling, nothing really worked for me. So it's a very, um, how I said I wanted it. I wanted it to be like, if say I died and you were going through my stuff and you found this journal and you sat down and you started reading it, I would want you to know that that was my honest portrayal of my life from start to finish Mm. at that point of time. And that's exactly why I wanted the readers to, I wanted you to feel uncomfortable because I wanted, you to know, it'd be like, man, that's a really bare story. Like that, that person right there just really just put it on the line and shared it all. And I know I'll be judged for it accordingly, but those who blaze trails and those who inspire others often are. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, man. And what, I mean, we all have a story, right? Just some people are actually have the courage to tell it and others that don't. And then they sit back and want to judge everyone else. It's like, come on, bro. You know, better. Like we know what yeah. you did. Like you can't, you ain't better than anybody else. So yeah, I, I, it does. But I think it does take courage because not a lot of people are willing to put themselves out there like that. Well, that's so an interesting awesome. question. Why do you think people aren't willing to do it? Because, you know, me and you, we chatted scared, about this man. and boom. And I said, look, man, I'm a kind of guy, like, I, I don't know, you know, I just kind of did what I did. And people were like, oh, you're so inspiring. But I look at it like, what else was I supposed to do? And I often look at people like, what else are you going to do with your time? And they're like, well, if I lose it all tomorrow, like in business, like I'm sure you get these talks a lot with business owners because being a coach, I, I work with CEOs, I work with business guys, women, men, the whole nine yards, and they all have the same thing. I'm like, well, there, there's this risk. 
to just lose it all. I'm like, but what are you going to do tomorrow? Yeah. And they're like, well, I never really thought about that. I'm like, well, you're going to wake up the next day and you got to yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, give it hell every day. Cause you're gonna have to give it hell in something. So, yeah. uh, but why do you think that is? Why do you think people have a, a lack of conviction or a lack of courage to tell their story? Is it, do you think they fear judgment among their peers for, for trying to be quote unquote better than the rest, you know, crabs in a bucket, or do you think it's just people don't view their story as as special as it could be, or should be like me? I think it's both. I think, I personally think that it's more the latter, like it's more worried about what people are going to say, worried about like how they're going to look, worried about like, well, I've actually been portraying myself this way for a long time. Now, if I tell the truth, what are they going to think, right? It's like your own little personal hell and purgatory that you put yourself in though, because now you're like stuck in between, right? Versus the person I mean, you always hear that from the people that are willing to really just put themselves out there, how freeing it is, because now there's nothing to hide. Like you just showed up the world, everything. And so there's like, they, it's like that uh, scene from eight mile. I don't know if you ever saw it, right? Like he just like Eminem, uh, you know, he outs himself first before the, the other guy coming next in the battle can do it for him. So now he just took all his material and there's like nothing for him to, to, to say. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, I do think I'm it's the other piece too of, what was the other one you said? Basically, uh, oh, Crabs. Not, not thinking they have a, a story. Yeah. Like, There's definitely think, that. There's yeah, definitely I think that. that too, man. That was kind of like my thing. I'm kind of like, I mean, okay, it's inspirational, but I just looked at it like, well, no, this is what I was going to do and how I was going to live my life. Yeah. So why not do it? Yeah. We do discredit our stories for sure. Like I do it all the time. And then I'll talk to people and they'll be like, dude, like you got a pretty, you got a pretty awesome amazing story same with you i don't know if you discredit it but like yeah i mean you could just be in a room and talk to you and hear your story in five minutes and be like holy shit that's incredible like wow inspiring thank you yeah um so uh, you're from nashville by the way or you live in nashville uh we didn't we didn't say that so if iron house if you want to ever check them out or get a chance to meet the man in person uh stop in when you're in nashville um who are some who are some people that have really kind of impacted you along the way and inspired you and maybe like what are some of the characteristics of those people that have really stood out to you so um you know I'll back up a little bit. I was born with a brittle bone disease known as osteogenesis imperfecta. And yeah, it affects only, yeah. yeah, it's brittle bone disease. So if those of you familiar with osteoporosis, where the bones just wear away as you age, think about it like that for me, except it's continuous. It's genetics. My bones will never get better. Wasn't uh, there a movie with a- Unbreakable Samuel, with Samuel L. Jackson? Jackson. Yeah, I actually wrote about it in my book, my intro, yeah. so people could kind of understand. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and there's different types and I have like a, a moderate kind. So meaning yeah. like if Nate and I were to go for a run and we were to just jump off of something, I have a greater increase of a fracture or devastation um, than Nate would. And what happens is when we break in one spot, we tend to break in that spot over and over and over again. So Nate, if you broke your arm in the humerus, your bone will heal back stronger there. Your body yeah, will naturally yeah, yeah. do that. That's body's innate intelligence working. And us with OI, it comes back weaker. So we're more prone to breaking in the same spot. Um, so I was raised pretty normal. Um, wasn't allowed to do soccer or football, but I could do baseball and basketball. I love the shit outs of baseball, but uh, my parents got me a skateboard and let me play around the driveway with it. And then one day I snuck it off and I went down this hill. <laughs> and um, you know, a funny story, that was when I was eight and a half. 
And um, this past September, I turned 42. And it was the first time I went down that hill since really? that. Um, and dude, my, my, was, my stomach was in the floorboard. Because I, uh, I hit 30 miles an hour by the time oh, I would have jumped. And I mean, I was moving ass, but I was double dog dared. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't like being different <laughs> than the other kids. And, yeah. and uh, the surgery ended up just shattering my femur. It was so violent that uh, my back basically broke and compressed. And uh, the one thing that's interesting is I remember most of all uh, this really nice neighbor guy putting ice on me because they had just repaved the neighborhood. And I kept bitching about the heat from the pavement burning me. And I had like these burns on me when they, you know, I was sitting in the hospital. So um, they put me in traction later that evening with no anesthesia, no pain medicine. Cause they thought my doctor was going to operate on me. So that was fun. Um, and I, I had to lay there for two days with minimal food and minimal and, and water through IV till my doctor could get back from delayed flights, but it set off a cascade of events where, you know, I ended up having to go through a bone stretcher surgery where my leg was kept suspended and fracture. Uh, so imagine breaking your bone and then that pain being there for 12 weeks straight. And, you know, my mom was like awesome because she refused to let me get pain medicine. And I know the nurses used to look at her cross-eyed, but my mom did me a solid there. I think we can all say that. And I talk about that in the book. I'm like, some people view that as harsh, but I look at, she taught me to deal with pain in a way that helped me in other aspects of life as I got older. Um, but then my, uh, I go through that surgery. So let me set this up for you guys. Basically this is surgery number three. And after my first surgery, when they rotted my femur to fix it from the skateboard accident, my leg was two and a half inches longer. So they go, oh, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and break your left leg and rod that to make that femur strong. So when I was born, I was born with my legs broken because the doctor pulled me out with forceps because I was born breached. Well, they didn't know in 1980, I had OI. So my family was picking me up on my legs to change the diaper of a baby. And I'd scream and it was just awful. And they finally diagnosed me six weeks later. But uh, my legs were born heel, uh, bowed because of it or healed bowed because of it. So they broke this leg. And then what happened was I went through puberty in the surgery, Nate. It was crazy as hell. Whoa. So I get done with this and my leg's still an inch longer. Okay. So they decided to do this bone structure machine. So I go through it. I'm a champion. They ended up breaking my leg in the surgery, which is a very, uh, it's a whole chapter in the book. Uh, it was the first time that I had, um, the, I know what it's like to be restrained against your will. And I know what it's like to be pleading for people to stop doing something and they don't. And uh, it resulted in them shattering my leg in the doctor's office when they were doing these radical turns oh, and oh. just they piled people on me as I was trying to squirm away. It was, it was very deep to me and it kept me it's nightmares that have bothered me my whole life. But I go through all that, man. And I'm like, dude, I'm a champion. Like in my head, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. what more can I go through? The very first step, my leg broke in physical therapy. The oh. very first step. Oh. The physical therapist put his hand on my shoulder and said, I'll see you soon. And it clicked on me like this won't end. And I'm 11 years old, you know? And so after that, I started. And before that, I was big sissy. I didn't like the pain. I was like, <laughs> whimpering all through physical therapy and shit. And then I get... After that, I completely changed and I started getting very dark and I just started pushing and I started being like, how hard can I go? How far can I do this? I was very angry and I took that that sword. You know, a lot of my premise in the book is how trauma can be, be rocket fuel for you. A lot of people take trauma and then they <laughs> about it. And, and, you know, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I, I was one, I was after, one after of them. Conversations, so. Yeah, no, but I was one of them. I lived like that for a few years and granted, yeah. I was a kid. 
But even as an adult, I could tell you that the same energy to, to sit there and spend wallowing, you can spend the same energy over there creating. And once I kind of clicked into that as a kid, I was like, well, shit, well, how far can I really take this? And then I was told I would never walk again without AIDS. And I said, I'm going to walk into high school my freshman year. And I did. And then I got bullied and I found bodybuilding because I punched yeah. the kid in the face for calling me crippled too much. And yeah. They suspended me <laughs> and I found a Flex Lewis magazine. So to answer your, in a roundabout way, it's hard for me to have a lot of people that I idolized and mentored. A lot, but what really changed my perspective to that, because a lot of men couldn't relate to me because I was this fragile guy that couldn't do that. It's why I love working with men and women because I was raised by women and um, helping them to get their confidence back because I understand what that was like when people finally invest in me. So for me, man, my mentors and those who've inspired me through life sit on the bookcase behind me. I'm yeah. an avid reader. John Maxwell doesn't know, but he's been one of the best mentors a guy could oh, ever he's, have. He's a goat, bro. Yep. Robert Green, Tim Grover, so many names. Um, you know, I have some people close to me who've been very near and dear, uh, Bev, people like that in my life. But but ultimately, when I think you you're asking what inspires me and all that, I've I've managed to learn how to inspire myself. And then through that inspiration myself, have allowed that lens has gotten wider to see other people's benefits. And I've just kind of melded it along the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, sometimes the answer is people that they uh, not necessarily impacted them powerfully from a positive standpoint, but like people that they're like, uh, I'm not ever going to do that or that, <laughs> like, you know, I'm not going to be that person. So yeah, we all have an interesting uh, st journey and story. You know, the trauma pieces, I just laugh because I think you're like, I don't disagree with what you said. I mean, you can use your traumas and turn them into very positive things for yourself, but not everybody necessarily is able to do that. Or I think we're all have the ability to do it, but not everybody can find the capacity or the way to do that. But I just spent uh, actually in Nashville last week with my event. And then I spent four days with a good friend of mine's wife, who's a healer. And so we did this inner child healing, which really is kind of going back to a lot of traumas you had as a kid and mm -hmm. identifying them and just kind of making sense of it and going through it. And, uh, it was just an interesting process, right. But a little bit different than what you were saying. Uh, and, and I'm 46. And if, had you asked me last year, whether that I or told me that I'd be doing some inner child healing, uh, I would have called you nuts. <laughs> so, you know, though, man, I can say it when I did MDMA therapy, um, and I did some of that, uh, to, so I wasn't, this is a very interesting thing, uh, because of the way I was we born. We talked about ayahuasca too, right? Yeah, I haven't done that one. I've done uh, DMT, but that's right. That's um, right. I wasn't held by my mom or my dad then because they couldn't really hold me. So oh, yeah. I don't really get the oxytocin. So, dude, I'll be honest. I wrote about my book. Um, my kids touching me was very uncomfortable to me. Mm -hmm. And I knew that was very screwed up. Like, yeah. I, and I knew that. Like, it would just yeah, feel yeah. very uncomfortable. And then once I did the MMA, th MDMA therapy, I yeah. was, it was fine. Like, people could touch me yeah, and I'm cool, cool with it. Like, I kind of get it. So, yeah. you know, and you're talking to a guy who faithfully took my Paxil. I faithfully went to counseling. I faithfully did my therapy sessions. I faithfully did everything I was supposed to. And that shit didn't work. And it was only yeah, yeah. when I took something that made me throw up and see shit that I later on kind of identify things and begin putting it back together. And, and I think that that's where, you know, 
trauma with people. If you're going to do work, you have to understand. It's like if you broke the mirror and you're trying to put back the glass, it's never going to go back the right way. But if you can make sense of that puzzle, then you can understand what it was really for. And here's the deal, man. Ain't nobody get out in this life without any form of trauma. We're all going to be have our... You know, ass kicked, you know, male, female, it doesn't matter. It's a matter of the attitude I kind of looked at with life. Life genetically is breaking me. I chose to define breaking it. I decided to break it back is the way I looked at it. You know what I mean? And that's what I think most people should spend their time on. Everybody spends time idolizing people. I'm like, you should idolize yourself. All that energy you spend being like, I wish I was Nate. I wish I had gotten control of my life like Nate, da, da, da. Why can't you? And that's why I always tell people like, what's stopping you? Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Tell us a little bit about your journey, man. I, I, I you did with the, with the childhood and and the, and how you uh, the disease, but like how did that and then into bodybuilding, which I imagine somehow ties you to a gym, right? But yeah, yeah. maybe talk talk about uh, that process into you know opening your own gym and, and the coaching program that you do today and what, what got you there, and then obviously into this new part of your journey with the book, ultimately. Um, so, you know, I, I, I punched that bully in the face and my mom had to go to Kroger's and I saw this bodybuilding flex magazine. And, she sent you to Kroger's. <laughs> you no, know, no, she had to do errands and that was yeah, her yeah. way of dealing with it. I actually yeah. got rewarded and got lunch. So I wasn't yeah. pretty, but she was happy. I stood up for myself. Like I was yeah, 95 absolutely. pounds my freshman year. I was, you know, kids call me, they had broken into my locker and wrote cripple on my glasses and Dude, short. Kids are brutal, man. Yeah. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I don't look at it like bullying. I looked at it like, that's just what you did with each other. You just jostled each other's yeah, yeah, shit. Right. And he sure. never got to the point like some of the stuff is today. But then again, yeah. we didn't have social media and I didn't get hit 24-7 like some right. kids do. Right. So, and I recognize that. But, um, you know, it kind of sparked this genesis of like, I remember I saw Lee Priest, this bodybuilder, and it was very weird when I met him at the Arnold Classic in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you don't realize how much you changed my life. And he's yeah. sitting there like yeah. the, but he was the first person I saw. I was like, man, I, I think I could do that. I'm yeah. going to really try for that. Yeah. Um, it just kind of evolved this career. I got a job working for the Department of Homeland Security when I was 22. Spent the first few years traveling around the in, uh, airports, meeting the congressional federal deadlines uh, that the Air Transportation Security Act of 2001 happened. Yeah. 9-11 stuck with me. I think like most of our generation, when we saw that shit going on TV, we were pissed. Yeah. I was pissed and yeah. I wanted to help back and I was young and I had a great opportunity to get into a federal agency formed. And my dad had previous background with um, government contracting. So I applied, got in and did that for five years, but halfway along the way, I, I took a spot here in Nashville. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. I was born in Joplin, but grew up in Knoxville. And um, I couldn't work any more hours because anyone who works for the government, uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll tell you it's a cesspool. If for whatever yeah. reason it attracts all the people that feel like if they come after you all day long, they're going to go further in their career. And um, this guy had been bothering me to start coaching people. And uh, he saw this workout got got my workout partner who was training with me for my first ever bodybuilding show in 2006. He dropped like 40 pounds in 12 weeks training with mm. me for it. Wow. And he's like, do you do? I'm like, nah, trainers suck. All you guys do is stretch chicks out and <laughs> do stupid workouts. Like you don't train them with the weight. Cause I'm, you know, like that's the truth. If you want to yeah. change the body, male or female, you got to do heavy weight. You've got to get right. under strain and you've got to get better. Bodybuilding is the working on your body is the ultimate way to get better in all aspects of life because you literally have to fail. You literally have to go in there with the idea of like, I literally have to beat the hell out of myself and fail at this in order to get better. What other better battleground do you have? And I just really took to it. I got into coaching. I finally decided I'd do it. 
And I had this woman, she uh, came in with this piece of lingerie and she was like, I want to wear this for my 10 year anniversary. And I said, well, hell, let's do it. She came running in a couple months later, picking me up, swinging me around. She could fit into it. And then some, I'm not a little dude. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. I kind of like this. You know, people pay me to be here and they're getting something out of it. So I walked in and I turned my notice in. I left a federal job. Uh, I jumped out right in 2007, right when the housing market blew apart and Obama got elected and I watched my business grow. And I've been very, very fortunate that people have accepted my message of truth because it comes from a good place because I'm like, Hey man, look, I literally have my health to thank, to live a great life. And I want you to have that same gift. Um, so it just kind of parlayed that wild little journey of going from a federal agent to taking a chance of being a trainer, uh, to that one woman really changed the whole yeah, life. Wow. Thousands of lives changed. I've got a, I started, I opened up a gym in 2015, iron house, and we've grown 50% plus every single year we've been in business. It's amazing to see mm. all the jobs created, all the people's yeah. all the lives changed. Yeah. And um, that's kind of been that journey, man. Like, I just love what I do. I love yeah. helping other people find their, you have to get healthy to be able to get where you want to with your health. And most people don't realize how unhealthy they are yeah, nowadays. Right. So I really try to work with people on that, getting them healthy to be able to get where they want to yeah so then the book right oh what happened what did you always want to write a book was someone telling you you should write a book what happened so um, my clients at the gym when goggins book can't hurt me came out they were all like jeff you should write your book is that your your story's pretty out there i had this girl's dating at the time a couple of my friends were like no jeff like you should really really consider this i was like "Eh, yeah because um my story was private, man, to me. I just wanted to um, kind of blend back in. I remember when people used to look at me as a kid and kind of judge me and snicker at me the way I was picked on and stuff like that. And it's very interesting. I've been bullied and picked on because I was skinny and a cripple. And I've been bullied and picked on because I'm fit and fit shamed over it. So I've, <laughs> I've <laughs> experienced both spectrums of society screw ups Crazy, on that right? and how they judge us. But yeah, that's a different story. Um but how it really, how, the, how this kicked off with my book was Stephen Pressfield. He's an author. He wrote Turning Pro, which if you have not read that book, if anyone's listening, read Turning Pro. It is a very candid conversation yeah. about the journey of becoming an amateur to the professional. And there is a difference. You mm-hmm. might think you're a pro, but when you really read that book, you go, man, I have a yeah. shadow career going on. And huge fan. Yeah. Stephen cut to the chase, but I was fortunate enough to reach out, get him on a podcast, talk about it. He's like, ah, I've never chatted with fitness coaches. So I was like, ah, cool. You know, and I knew enough about his book. He agreed to come on. And then he's been on a few times. And then uh, I picked his brain one too many times about if I were to do this, how would I do it? He finally said, hey, starting next month, we're going to meet the third Wednesday of every month. And you better have stuff for me. And um, what began is over 13 months, I wrote over, I wrote about 100,000 words uh, and trimmed it down to 63,000 and submitted it. And it's all because Stephen... Uh, put it in my head that it needed to get out there and, you know, that I actually had a gift to write. So um, a lot of people kind of told me this stuff, but it took someone who was already in that position to kind of validate me because people look at my life and be like, Jeff, you're really well known as a coach in the fitness industry, really well respected. You have great businesses, da, 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 da. And even I still felt like an imposter. I still didn't feel like, you know, and I, everyone goes through that, man. I mean, I tell everybody, you talk to anyone who's making six, seven, eight, nine figures, even 
four figures. Everyone's going through some form of imposter syndrome. So he helped me break that through. And that's how I kicked off the book, man. It was all because of Stephen Pressfield. So, well, if you you could see, uh, let's see right there that I can't see it, but that plaque on the wall, that's, uh, from Stephen. That's a page from his, uh, gates of fire manuscript. So I got that when I bought a bunch of books from him, uh, well, before, before the last one, not the government cheese, but one of his, uh, uh, I forget the name of it. What the hell is it? A man at arm. Man, yes. Thank you. Man at arms, man at arms. Yeah. So anyways, so that's a pretty prized piece of, uh, uh, hardware I got from him. I love him, man. He's, he's uh, I'm actually, uh, we chatted. He's interested. He said he would come on boom with me. Um, yeah. so you, you know, be able to chat and then I'm going to bring him here to Nashville and do some content with him and all that. So he's been a super nice guy. If anyone out there, uh, is not familiar with Steven, be sure to go give him a follow on Absolutely. social media. Check him out. Um, his books are really, really worth it, especially turning pro. I can't tell you enough. I read it at the end of every year. Yeah. Every yeah. year I read the, the book to close out my year. I read that. Yeah. I read uh relentless yeah. to remind uh, me of who I am. War of art. His book, war of art is kind of one of my favorites too. Oh yeah. War of art yeah. smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, this, we got a press field love fest going here, but he was on my show too. So I, yeah, uh, a fan, if we haven't covered that yet, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I know you've talked already about a number of moments in your life, but I do love kind of highlighting like, you know, kind of critical moments, um, because I think the listener, you know, could very well be in that moment right now and trying to decide which way to go. And it it's, there is strength, there is power in hearing how others have made decisions uh, to help them maybe make the move that they want to make. So what's another moment for you, maybe that you haven't shared yet that, you know, obviously you made the decision you did, which has you where you are today, but had you decided differently, you'd be in a very different place. Well, um, in 2012, May, I took a bunch of pills and tried to go to sleep, <laughs> yeah. woke up throwing up. And then I kind of decided, so to, yeah, uh, I decided to pull myself together and, and really clean out. And it was because I was afraid to talk about the things that were bothering me. So, you know, I went through all that and, um, and here's the thing, man, when you're a kid, you can keep yourself real busy. Yeah. And I got into bodybuilding. I was into Dungeons and Dragons. I had a yeah. girlfriend. I was very, very heavy. But once I got into my job with Homeland Security, I had free time. Uh, yeah. And I had all that. That's when the, the things started really coming back to haunt me. And I didn't know who to talk to. And I wish I had just told some people what was going on to explain, like, you know, if I would just, there were just things that I look back on, like with either in relationships with women or friendships or just even in my family stuff that I'm like, I just wish I had just told people what was going on. Um, it would have yeah. given more of that. So I tell everybody it's uncomfortable, but someone who had to pay prices, meaning hard life lessons, either financially, emotionally, or mentally that caused a lot of strain that was took months and months and months to resolve that the pain of just ripping the bandaid off up front is much better than the compound interest you're going to get from keeping that bandaid on. And when you finally pull that off, cause that shit's yeah. abscessed underneath the bandaid. Yeah. And it really caused me to burn my life to the ground. And I, had I maybe gotten hold of it earlier, uh, I would have had maybe some better, better moments for myself. Um, you know, and I always tell everybody, if you're in a dark spot, there's always someone out there that will hear, hear what you have to say. Yeah. There always is. Yeah. yeah. And social media isn't the place you tell people either. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No doubt. Um, 
Because yeah, there are. There's just you just and you just never know who it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, what's uh, what's one or two things that you can leave with the listener today that you know, if they were to implement, move their life forward today, would ha- um, what would that be? You know, guiding principles or um, whatever you want to call them, right? <laughs> oh man, two things. One, as a person, I know everyone will scoff at me when they say this, but even if it's on your phone. If you have thoughts, business, leadership, anything at all, write them out. Um, your thoughts will betray you until you sort out on paper more real, and then you have to shape them. And then once you see those words, you can figure out your attachment to stuff. And this is something that has helped people that I've worked with on their fitness journeys, on their health journeys, on their business journeys. Get it out of your head. Because once you get out rationalizing, until then, it haunts you. The second thing is, Believe in yourself because nobody else absolutely will. I could tell you throughout my whole life, and I, this is one person to look at. My mom fell asleep during my bodybuilding show the first time I competed. I literally lived the, I, you know, and this is something I talk about, man. I believe in fate and I believe you can't fight it. And I tried my damnedest to fight it, Nate. Yeah. Uh, I was born to live this life. Like I tell my girlfriend and other people in the world, I've told people in my past, that I was born for this. The, my mom, my dad, I got the lucky parents that didn't re- that kind of let me do what I need to do. I got the right amount of fuel. I had the right chip on my shoulder. I had the right, right mindset that got developed to be able to go as far as I've gone. And it was all because I believed in myself because I can assure you no one else ever did. And if I were to pull everybody out right now from age eight, when that skateboard happened to 42, there isn't a single person left of me. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's lonely and not everybody gets that journey, but I tell everybody at the end of the day, you should believe in yourself because if you believe in yourself, guess what? That's going to make you better for everybody else at the very least. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I love it. Beautiful. What is uh, the best way we can go um, check out more about you and what you're up to? Is there a main, no. main place we can everybody? Yeah, man. Instagram uh, backslash Jeff unbreakable black and I'm on YouTube. Uh, underneath Relentless Forever, I have a Q&A channel there with me and my coaches. We do other stuff. Um, I'll probably be putting some mindset content up and be putting a lot of stuff out like that. It's, you know, like I, 2023, man, it's been an interesting year. I think you could say that, right? Yeah. It's like a lot yeah. of good stuff, but there's still a lot of people that need to have a hand to help them up. And I want to do that more going through this year. So yeah. I'll be sharing more of that content. Awesome, man. Love it. Appreciate you being here. And dude, uh, I appreciate this. It's always it's good combo, man. I love chatting with you. You're a good dude. And I don't know if you know, I don't know if your listeners know this. I know (laughs) they've met a lot of you, but uh, you know, Nate was first person that I got to talk to when I was down Tampa. I'm in a room besides two two friends I knew, and that was it. And it's a room where it's just chatter, 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 and everybody's making money deals and ching 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 ching. And and Nate just sat and had a good conversation with me. And, and that really impacted me a lot just because it made me feel comfortable. He was the one who let me know that I was in the right room for once. So I awesome, really appreciate man. that, dude. Oh, dude. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, you know, keeping that connection going. So absolutely. Um, yes, sir. Well, man, this has been, this has been amazing. And I know the listeners been enjoying that. So stay right here for the next episode. Hopefully, I don't know if they'll be able to measure up to Jeff Black, but (laughs) I promise they'll come close. So uh, don't go anywhere. Jeff, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Have a good day, man. You too. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait I used to wait every day for them to say 
Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm gonna lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this championship leadership podcast. Hey, Bailey. Baby